2: I whisper into the intercom for the third time. Oh, the elderly woman on the other end keeps telling me she didn't order Chinese. <laughs> and frankly, I'm very frustrated right now that Victor and Jenna don't have the good sense to live in a concierge building. That would make things go so much more smoothly. Safety in numbers and all that. But then, I suppose Jenna wouldn't have come back here if there were people to document her comings and goings. Some concierges are good at keeping secrets, others not so much. If Jenna has found a way to defeat the coven, I have to know. Their warning to me at the bed and breakfast was unsettling. I was tempted to tell my father, but I want to handle this on my own. I think you'll be proud of me. Sabino, aussi. <laughs> we'll see. A young woman comes out, and when I try to go into the building, she blocks the entrance. Can I help you? She asks, looking me up and down. I'm just here to see Jenna. She lives in 8N. So, you don't live here? I can't let you in. I can't believe this, how rude! She lets in these two young men wearing white tank tops and baggy jeans and gold chains. Uh, Each has a diamond stud in one ear. At least it looks like a diamond, I don't know, I will not point out their race because it's not really relevant, really, but you know. She frowns. Racist bitch. Look, I don't want to cry white lady tears, but I'm a human being. Luckily, I have tissues in my clutch. I take a look around as I blow my nose. A lot of scaffolding, Brooklyn construction boom, you know. A mix of bars and industrial warehousing. You know, I'm surprised Victor would want to live here. Feels depressing. Feels, like, threatening. Even in the morning. And now that I'm thinking about it, why would Jenna take all that money from great-uncle Felix's ghost... Oh, God, that sounds ridiculous. Only to come
3: home. Realm Presents, If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It, Episode 8.
2: I call an Uber. Five minutes? Where's it coming from? Siberia? My blood sugar must be low. I'm feeling very complainy. I'll go to the bodega on the corner. If I remember correctly from Jenna's recordings, the gentleman who works at the counter there is named Abdul. I remember Victor responding to Jenna's mention of Abdul in the recording, immediately having a craving for a chopped cheese. Apparently it's a chopped up cheeseburger. I don't understand. I put a bag of baked potato chips on the counter. The man I assume is Abdul slaps a smile over his confused expression. I don't belong here.
4: Anything else, miss?
2: No, thank you, Abdul. I say, handing him my credit card.
4: There's a $5 minimum on cards.
2: Uh, okay. I must have seemed in distress because he added that I could have the chips for free. Thank you, Abdul. I say, hand over heart. My name is Elise Edgerton. I'm a friend of Victor and Jenna's. You haven't seen Jenna around here lately, have you?
4: (laughs) No, miss.
2: Okay, thanks. I say and rush out. My Uber's here. I'll regroup in Manhattan.
1: Log, September 12th. When I heard my name come out of that woman's mouth, I started paying attention. I could hear her from the back. Elise Edgerton. Mm. White woman talking loudly to Kaleem as though he wouldn't understand English if she didn't raise her voice. No, miss. I pulled back the curtain that hides the back room where I'm staying. After she left, I told Kaleem she was no friend of mine. He said he could tell that right away.
4: But you may have a cosmic connection. Or at the very least, you could use an ally.
1: Kaleem has been a lifesaver. When I came back to Brooklyn a couple weeks ago to pick up some things from the apartment, I went into the bodega to leave a note for Kaleem to give to Victor. When Kaleem saw the scar I had on my shin from when I fell off the bike after seeing Colonial Jenna, it was glowing to him. The scar was in the shape of a star and moon. The magic neither of us knew was in me before had been activated. He hustled me into the bodega and said a few phrases to me, none of which I understood. This is going to sound insane. He started, but before he could get another word out, I said, I'm being hunted by an influencer coven. Anticipating a bunch of questions, I explained that a bunch of social media influencers who use magic to make themselves more popular and grow their businesses were after me.
4: Prosperity Witches.
1: He said casually. Like, everybody knows about the different categories of witches.
4: They've been around since the beginning of magic. First, it was thrown bones to make sure your hunter came back with the most meat. Then it was salt. Then it was gold. And so on. Thanks to feminism, more female witches sought prosperity for themselves and not a partner. These social media prosperity witches seem to bring wealth to themselves by bringing it to other people. Like restaurant owners or corporate brands.
1: Are you a witch sociologist or something?
4: <laughs> no. My family's been keeping knowledge of magic for thousands of years. I will admit that I use a little prosperity magic to keep this bodega going. Being a keeper of magical knowledge doesn't pay at all.
1: I gave him the rundown on Brooke, Carmen, Mommy, Megan, and Bibi. How I clashed with them and how Carmen seemed to be the strongest, but let Brooke be the leader.
4: From what you tell me, you haven't interacted one-on-one with Brooke that much. With all Carmen has done to you, Brooke would probably have done worse.
1: I don't know what they need Mommy Megan and BB for.
4: There's strength in numbers, and the two lesser witches may have powers that complement the other two. They may have sensed your natural ability. I wonder if Megan used the Gossip Stopper spell to test your power.
1: I told him about Colonial Jenna, the book of spells I found by the Hanging Oak, and Great Uncle Felix. He took notes and only left me alone whenever a customer came in. The Little feeling spell on Victor worked pretty early on, but my first real demonstration of power came after I wished on a couple of stars. I accidentally choked Divine and her clerk in the metaphysical store.
4: Makes sense. You are a celestial witch, so you use planetary and celestial energy in your spell work. And with your affinity for astrology, I'm going to put you in that subcategory of celestial witchcraft.
1: What does it mean to be in that subcategory?
4: In addition to heavenly bodies... You power your spells with the zodiac, astrology, and natal charts.
1: He said, suggesting I work with Mars in crafting my spells since I'm at war with witch bitches and also Jupiter, which is the planet of luck.
4: Maybe Saturn, too. Can help with revenge and protection.
1: He said, pulling books from the library he had in the cellar, right next to the boxes of products from the bodega.
4: You're lucky you're a natural witch. Otherwise, the coven would have done you in easily.
1: Apparently, magic runs in my family, or at least that's what Kaleem guessed. The kind of raw power I've demonstrated and the way I've been able to fight back against trained witches suggests that there must have been at least one witch in every generation.
4: In ancient times, we would have called you a magician, but the word has been co-opted by people doing tricks on a stage. When the elders classified someone as a witch, it indicated that they were more spiritually minded. Magicians generally weren't mystical. They just did their magic. The more you study the next few years, the more you'll be able to do on a much grander scale.
1: Study? I'm a grown ass woman. You can't send me off to Hogwarts.
4: Independent study, with my help. Witches with your potential don't come along every day. You can help balance the scales between good and evil. Surely you can feel the world is tilted. Of course, the choice is all yours.
1: First, I have to kick some witch bitch ass. Then, I'll think about joining Witches Without Borders. <laughs> Then I handed him the book of spells I found by the Hanging Oak. He was so gentle with it that I acutely felt how rough I'd been.
4: Thank you for sharing this. I love looking at historical private grimoires, usually full of a bunch of love spells, which we need more of in this world if you ask me. Working a love spell puts more love out in the world, even if these types of grimoires usually have the wrong math or have aspects of the spell that work against each other. Looks like this one was written by someone with an affinity for celestial magic like you.
1: A black and white cat I'd never seen before walked between my legs, rubbing itself against me. Kalim said she never took to being a bodega cat. Her name means knowledge in Arabic. Kalim told me the name, but I couldn't pronounce it. She stays with the books.
4: Hmm, look at that. A dedutre lunum spell.
1: He said, still perusing the book. Uh, Grimoire, I had found. Plain English, please.
4: It was known in ancient Greece and Rome as the Thessalian trick, which is pulling the moon down from the sky. And on the very next page, there's a spell for making more potent lunar slime by negotiating with the moon's guardian spirits. Lunar spirits are very demanding.
1: Ew, slime? Gross.
4: Lunar slime is one of the most important materia magica around, right up there with iron and menstrual blood.
1: Ah, so Materia Magica is just nasty.
4: Fine. Lunar slime is also known as moon water. And I will not get into the politics of menstrual blood. You can find the writings of feminist magicians in the middle stack of books over there.
1: Even though Kaleem said he would cast a protection spell for me and an invisibility spell, I didn't feel comfortable staying in my apartment. By the way, it's a lot less fun to know that the invisibility spell doesn't turn you invisible. It just makes people not notice you as much. I asked him to do a spell that would make Victor and my mom mellow out if they ever got too worried about me.
4: And I will create a cloud of confusion for people who try to use a locator spell to find you. Though it seems a prosperity witches just wanted to scare you so that you wouldn't write about them.
1: Sleeping on the foldable bed in the library downstairs is starting to hurt my back. I would probably have moved back into the apartment if that woman Elise hadn't showed up. She mentioned Victor. I wonder how he's doing. I figured it was best to not let him know where I was. I almost fucked up by having one of these recordings about the magic I've learned and where I am backed up to the cloud. When I know how to give these witch bitches a magical beatdown, I can go back and hang out with Victor in Bedford. I miss him. Hmm. I wonder how much time he's going to want to be up there versus Greenpoint. Hey, Kaleem, why do you think Victor and I are stronger together? He's not a witch, is he?
4: No. Every celestial witch needs someone who grounds them. Earth and sky. Victor's a solid dude. Besides, you have astrogeological connections to the area. It all
1: makes sense. I've got to speed up my spell work. If that Elise person can get this close to me... The coven can, too.
2: I don't know why I didn't think of leaving Jenna a message in the notes section of her cloud. I still have the password info from Victor. Easy as pie. Well, not that easy. I did have to write several drafts so that I could get the message just right. Messaging is everything. You know, I don't want Jenna to happen upon some poorly arranged thoughts. She is a writer. In the end, I am satisfied with the simplicity of this message. Hi, Jenna. My name is Elise Edgerton. I'm a friend of Victor's. We went to undergrad together. I'm sure he mentioned me in passing. I've been working with him to try and find you. Well, I just wanted you to know that you can consider me a safe space and a sister in arms. I know about the C-word, the influencer C-word, to be clear. You can call or text me anytime at the number below. In solidarity, EE. I hope she responds soon. I'm on pins and needles. I wonder if I shouldn't have included some emojis. I, I was afraid it would make me seem inconsequential or, I don't know, but maybe it would have made me seem more approachable, you know? I can't add to it now. What if she's in the middle of reading the note and she sees me putting a smiley face in there? So I may as well just stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about it. Oh, I should have wished her well. Like, reading this now in solidarity sounds just, like, performative. I want her to know I'm a real ally, okay? Like, (sighs) I should have just simply signed it Elise. She doesn't know I sign my notes EE with family and friends. (laughs) She might think I'm trying too hard to be cool. Ugh, I could have spent so much more time on this. Okay, well, what's done is done. I need to finish my notes on Jenna's recordings. Okay, mid-August, right before she left.
0: Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back.
2: That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind.
4: This is the story of Harry Dalowitz, and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
2: So if you like funny, true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Log, August 18th. Instead of being on the defense all the time... I started going on the offense. Little things, small and subtle, so that the coven won't realize that I'm responsible for what's been happening to them. The other day, I did a spell of attrition on Mommy Megan's Instagram followers. I feel sorry for her about custody of her kid and all, but she had no sympathy for me. I have dreams and needs and people to protect too. She didn't have to help me, but she didn't have to contribute to hurting me either. Besides, my spells have only been lasting for a couple days at a time. Four days has been my record. Carmen had to throw out an entire shipment of brightening creams. I made sure that no one's skin was affected by the creams at all. They just weren't sealed properly at the factory. Mm, Bitch had it coming. Not just because she's being shitty to me, but because she's playing on people's colorism issues. Brightening is the code these beauty companies use for skin whitener. Mm Mm-hmm. I tied Bibi's tongue for an Insta-live she was doing with one of her best-selling authors. I laughed and laughed, watching clips of her forgetting her point, mispronouncing words, and screwing up her questions so badly, she had to go and get a pile of index cards with the questions written on them to read them properly. The author was not happy. Since everybody is always up Brooke's ass, I wrote an anti-enchantment spell for her. It didn't make anyone hate her outright. It just brought to the forefront the things that they already disliked about her, to the point that they felt compelled to tell her about it. When a reporter wrote a piece about her for an art magazine, he actually said that she had more social media followers than she did talent. I was able to base these spells off of the ones written in the old book that appeared outside the Hanging Oak when I tried to summon Colonial Jenna. Obviously, I couldn't find all the ingredients needed for the spells, like lizard necks. I mostly modified the words. That might be why the spells don't last that long. I called my mom and told her that somebody tried to put the root on me. She laughed and laughed and laughed until she started coughing.
2: Why damn white people out there know about root work? <laughs>
1: I asked her to find somebody who did real root work to see if they could help me with something. She said, and I quote, Trying to keep a man that way don't ever work out. After I made it clear that I wasn't looking for help keeping Victor, she said she would see if any of her friends knew somebody. I heard of this good psychic in Red Hook. If she ain't dead yet, she only speaks Spanish. Bye, mom. That woman. (sighs) I knew I needed more help, though. That was confirmed this evening when I went into town to pick up the pepperoni pizza Victor ordered for us. I had been letting him go into town lately so I wouldn't run into any of the witch bitches. When I got back to the car, there was a note stuck under the windshield. The message was simple We know it was you. Then, underneath the words was a stencil of a pair of lips with one of those circles with a diagonal line going across it. It looked like the lips Megan drew on the toilet paper at Brooks' barbecue. They were silencing me. I crumpled up the paper and threw it away. I thought I was going to lose my physical voice, but I didn't. I was pretty proud of myself and my protection skills, but I was wrong. When I tried to work on my book about the undercover evil and uselessness of these influencers just now, I failed. Anytime I tried to type, it hurt like hell. If I tried to write with a pen, my hand cramped. If I thought about the book creatively, my head hurt. If I tried dictation, my throat hurt. The only way I could make this recording was to steal a little holy water from the local Catholic church to make some tea with lots of raw honey from it. I'm so tired, and if I'm being real scared, for me and Victor, I can keep fighting these witches, but it's getting to the point where I'm questioning if this book is even worth it.
2: artwork on the ceiling at Grand Central is almost worth having to wade through the crowds to take the subway home. Almost. Today, it totally is. I'm gonna call this bait. I'm a few rows behind a girl I'm pretty sure is Jenna. A woman, not a girl. The train was going to Bedford and I just hopped on because I saw Jenna. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I'm a little afraid to go up to her because she never replied to my note. But I understand not everyone uses the Notes app, so perfectly fine. Jenna looks good, confident, you know? I should go now before someone sits next to her. Okay, now we're never, Elise. Go, 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 go. This is the moment we've been waiting for. Even though we've never met, I'm sure Jenna and I will share an affinity for each other. (sighs) Breathe. For God's sake, Elise, she's not a rock star. If you could keep your cool while sitting across the table from Taylor Swift at the benefit for that children's hospital, you can sit next to Jenna Clayton. Come on.
1: Okay, here we go. We're walking.
2: We're walking. legs are working. We are sitting down. The eagle has landed. Yow! The eagle is gonna throw up! No! No! Get it
3: together! Hi, Jenna.
2: I say quietly. She looks me up and down, one eyebrow arched. I clear my throat and try again. Hi, Jenna. It's me, Elise. Ugh.
3: You're listening to If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It, starring Gabri Sidibay. Created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away.
4: 30 years ago, something terrible happened to Cherie Greenway and the old abandoned well behind her family home. Now, Cherie's 10-year-old daughter, Lizzie, hungers to learn of these forbidden family secrets. And what she reveals will become the stuff of fairy tales and nightmares. Because the monster responsible for the thing that happened in the well will return to threaten Lizzie and her entire world. Hi, this is Fred Greenhalge creator and host of Undertow, Realm's podcast of the weird and the wicked, inviting you on a journey of dark magic with our new series, The Well, with new episodes starting in June 2023. Search for Undertow, wherever podcasts are served, or at realm.fm.
3: If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It is executive produced by and stars Gabri Sidibe. Written by Pia Wilson and produced by Rhoda Bayessa and Haley Wagreich. Associate produced by Michael Coulter and executive produced by Molly Barton. Performed by Gabri Sidibe, Sarah Natacheni, Aaron Landon, Lena Klingemann, Tony D, Alba Ponce de Leon, Tiana Camacho, Jordan Belsky, Eli Gonzalez, and Andrew Lee. Directed by Kaylin West and Amanda Rose Smith. Sound design by Fred Greenhalge and Carter Wogan of Dagaz Media. Audio engineered by Corey Barton. Original theme music by Hashem Asadolahi. Cover art by Kendall Thomas with original illustration by Rochelle Baker.